in our third moment, we'll probably run out and forget how many moments we have had by the time we get to the end of the Divine Liturgy, but we are following the Divine Liturgy little by little. In the last two weeks, we discovered that God created time and gave us the perfect time within which to give thanksgiving for his gift to us, which is Jesus Christ. And in the second, last week, we looked at the first prayer, the first audible prayer of the priest, um, which is, blessed is the kingdom, in which we understand that God then gives us all of his creation, all the birds, all the flowers, all the grass, all the weather, everything that is space within which we are able to celebrate and give thanksgiving to God's incarnation as Jesus Christ. Having given us the perfect time, Kairos, and having given us the perfect place, what is the first thing that we should do as Christians when we come together? first thing we do, or the first thing that the deacon says on your behalf, is that we join together in prayer. You start praying. The priest at the start, or the celebrant, the bishop, at the start of the divine liturgy, starts the prayers, blessed as the kingdom. But the prayers are yours. You make those prayers. And the deacon starts with the words, In peace let us pray to the Lord. In Slavonic, Mirom Gospodi Pomolem Sia. In Greek, forgive my mispronunciation, En Irini Tu Kyrio De Thomen. In Romanian, Kupacha Domnoli Sir Nerugam. In peace let us pray to the Lord. The deacon calls to you and says to you, In peace let us pray to the Lord. The word peace is used 30 times or more in the Divine Liturgy alone. We see it again and again in the Scriptures, in the Epistles and in the Gospels. What is this peace that God is giving us? That Jesus' Jesus's departure, he says, my peace I give you. What is this peace? What do we mean when we say the word peace? I wonder how many of you have glossed over that word as the liturgy starts in peace, let us pray to the Lord. Oh, the priest has said something. In peace, let us pray to wow. the Lord. Pace, pax in Greek. Deithome. Miron in Slavonic. Kupace, in peace. Word peace or deithomen in Greek. Sorry. It, not uh, dethomen, that's uh, an entirely different word I'll come back to later on. In, in Irini, the uh, English name Irene comes from that word en Irini. What is that word Irini? It means to bind together, it means to bring together. This is important for Christians to say, particularly in the first century Greek-speaking world. Surrounding the Christians, not only was there Judaism, but lots of mystery religions, the Greek and Roman religions. And their gods were always at war. That was how they understood the balance of the universe, was that this god would create something, and there would be another god that created its opposite. And the gods 
in the great myths are at war with one another. And Jesus comes as God to give us peace, to bring us together, to bind us, to give us not a lack of fighting, but tranquility. And we see this call for tranquility in the gospel. This is the one that people often pick when they want to make sure that you're not anxious about anything. And in my experience, it seems to create more anxiety because in a way, it suggests to us that we should have no thought for ourselves, no thought for our futures, no thought for the clothes we wear or whether we're going to get any food, but to trust in the Lord. And perhaps maybe I am timid in the Lord because I trust the Lord to provide, but I also am anxious and think about these things. It's a bit ironic for me to say, don't consider the clothes you wear when I'm standing here before you in gold vestments. It is meant here peace. The Lord says in Matthew's Gospel, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is single, the whole body should be full of light. But if your eye is evil, the whole body should be full of darkness. Well, the word evil in this respect refers to being split apart, to being broken or divided. The rest of the Gospel gives us that context. No one can serve two masters. No one can serve God and the world. And therefore, when we come together as Christians and we start the prayer, in peace let us pray to the Lord. We come together in order to be bound together as one body, as one group of people bound together into the body of Christ, one organism, rather than our individual lives. And at this moment in the Divine Liturgy, we come with all the busyness of what's been going on, maybe just in that little argument in the car just before you get out, or the shouting at someone because they're late for church before you get in the car, or the cares of the week, the cares of the last few hours. And you come with divided minds, a mind that is still dragging itself out of bed on a Sunday morning. A mind that's partially already in Monday and thinking about the things that have to happen in the next week. And with those sorts of minds, we are distracted and split into pieces. That's what the Lord is referring to here in the scriptures when he says, Consider the lilies of the field, that they have one purpose and they are focused on the one purpose. In peace let us pray to the Lord, our first gift back to the Lord because of his incarnation is for us to come together and to bind ourselves to one another and to become peaceful, to seek peace, to seek and escape uh, distraction and to seek the focus and the oneness of mind that fills our mind full of light. In peace let us pray to the Lord, we say. And the people of, the, of God respond, Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy. Gospodi pomeloi, Lord heal us, Lord bring us together. And the deacon goes on 
to pray one of the litanies, the great litany in this case. There are seven or more litanies just in the divine liturgy itself. And there are many special litanies, all variations on the same theme. And I want to talk about this litany because many people say, when they misunderstand the faith of the church, they hear these litanies and think, why are we just praying for all these people? Why, why are we not praying for the people in this parish? Why are not we paying, praying for that particular person? Why do we have these same prayers and again and again? Well, first thing is, these are prayers that have been given to us over the centuries. They represent not just our prayer in this place, or your prayer in this place in this time, but the prayers of all the church in all type places and throughout all of history. But we also sometimes think of these prayers as lording over the people who lord over us. That somehow what we're praying for is all the important people and then we get the word in edgeways at the end. And we think, sometimes maybe influenced by the world around us, that important things happen first and then the least important people are at the bottom of the list. We're so focused on making sure that we're number one in everything at the top of the list that we think people at the bottom of the list are least important. But brothers and sisters, I want you to look carefully at these litanies, because these litanies are upside down. They are a climb up a hill, up a ladder, and the most important people, the most important prayers, are the last of the prayers. First we start at the top of the hill, and we drop down into the hill and back up again. Let's look at the order in which the great litany is said. The deacon says, in peace let us pray to the Lord. And then he asks where that prayer, peace, comes from. For peace comes from on high. It comes from thou, Lord Jesus Christ. That peace comes from no other place except from our Lord Jesus Christ. That is our first gift, the peace of Christ and then the second is our salvation of our souls. And he asks you to pray for that, starting at the bottom. And then the peace of the whole world, for the stability of the holy churches of God, and the union and unity of all the churches. Not just orthodox churches, but all Christians. Let's pray for them. Every week we pray for unity. We don't need a special week, although we do sometimes need a special week of prayer for unity, because it's so common here, this prayer for unity, that we forget it. And then we pray for this holy house, this place here, and those who enter it with faith, reverence, and in awe of God. Then we pray for the hierarchs of the church, for our patriarch Bartholomew, for our archbishop John, the priests the deacons who guide you and serve you, and you, the people, all in one prayer, building up from the bottom upwards. His Holiness Patriarch Bartholomew at the bottom of that list, and then our Archbishop John next up, and then the order of priests, and then the deacons, the clergy, and then you at the top of the list, the people, without whom there is no prayer. We pray for us, our church, and our particular church hierarchy. 
And we pray for a place and the people in this place. We pray for our sovereignty, the Queen and her government. Not because we're royalists, or because we support this government or that government, but because we pray for all heads of state in the countries where we live. In Scotland, we pray for the Scottish Parliament. In Wales, we pray for the Welsh Assembly. In the UK, we pray for our local government, our regional government, our national government. Why? Because the apostles tell us so. In the Didache and in the Apostolic Constitutions, it tells us, and Paul tells us, it tells Timothy himself, to pray for them. Not pray for them because we approve of them, but pray for them that they may govern us with wisdom and that they may give us opportunity to pray in peace and tranquility. Remember these prayers particularly come out of the persecution of the church. And we pray for this town and the people living in this town and every city and town and village in this area and the people, the faithful people who live in them. Even more importantly at this time, we pray for seasonable weather, an abundance of the fruits of the earth, and for peaceful times. A peaceful environment, a tranquil environment, so that despite all of our technological advances, we are still reliant on the sun, we are still reliant on the rain, we are still reliant on God's creative wisdom in his creation. We pray for those who travel, because travel is still dangerous. We pray for those in captivity, especially those who have been persecuted for their faith. We remember, especially at those time, those people who have been persecuted in the state of China. We pray for those people who have been persecuted in the Middle East for their faith. For the Palestinians who are ignored and persecuted for their Christianity. Each of these prayers although generic, has real application today. But they're your prayers, and you can join your individual prayers to those prayers of the single body of Christ. Further up the hierarchy, we pray for our deliverance from affliction, wrath, danger and constraint. Help us, save us, have mercy on us. And then at the top of the list, we pray for the perfect human being, the best, most wonderful and awesome human being that there ever has been that woman child who said yes to God and yes to the incarnation of God as Jesus Christ, our Holy Mary, Mother of God. At the end of the Gospel, take no thought, says the Lord, of what we shall eat and what we'll drink and what we'll be clothed with. Because, and this is his point, because God already knows that you have need of these things. Trust in the Lord, because he has already heard your prayer before you even formed that prayer in your mind. You don't need to pray for these things, he's saying. Don't pray for yourself, whether you have good clothes, whether you can eat, because God has already heard those prayers and will offer you those things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things will come with it. As we begin the procession of the gifts in the divine liturgy, you in this case being the gifts at this point 
Our first and only focus should be on the kingdom of God and marching, processing towards the kingdom of God and towards his righteousness. The Lord God has heard your prayers. He has heard your pleas. He has heard your petitions. He has offered you the gift. He has offered you the gift of his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has died and resurrected for our salvation. But he also offers us the gift now, the gift of the Eucharist, the gift that we receive and that we offer back. And if our eyes and our mind can be focused on those gifts, even just for a moment, then all the other things that we have for care for will already have been heard in the ears of God and seen in the sight of God. We pray for tranquility. We pray for peace. We ask for God's blessing. And when we are able to do so, we will look upon the world with different eyes, with the eyes of light. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.